My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Boy, it seems like forever since I said that, doesn't it? Now, I'm going to ask some rhetorical questions. When you teach high school, you have to make sure that they know it's a rhetorical question or they're all going to shout answers back at you. But I want you to think of the longest meal you ever had. So you sat down and then the meal went on. The longest meal you ever had. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I had activities. Monday night was Boy Scouts. Tuesday night was Oakland Band. I don't know if you remember this, but back in the 50s and 60s, towns had their own bands. We had a marching band for the town of Oakland, and I played trombone. Wednesday was Bible study at church. Thursday was choir practice at church. Friday was youth group at church. Saturday, we didn't really have much going on. And then Sunday, back in the day, you had church in the morning and you had church at night. Now, sometimes church at night on the first Sunday of the month had a smorgasbord. It was one of those church cover dishes and everybody brought stuff. I think I've told you this before. My dad's fried chicken was so good that the colonel let him put it in a bucket. And he had all the kids... All the kids convinced in the church that he made that fried chicken and it was so good, the colonel let him have the buckets to put it in. And you know what? You got to that and there, there were certain things you wanted to eat and certain things you looked forward to and some stuff like that jello with all the little bits of fruit in it. I'd much rather have one of my dad's pieces of fried chicken than the jello with the fruit. You with me? So church revolves around food. It really does. It's funny, you go to a Baptist church and they say, well, you know, Baptists eat. You go to a Methodist church, you know what they say? Baptists eat. No, they say Methodists eat. You go to a Lutheran church, you know what they say? Lutherans eat. Why? We all like to eat. Here's the problem. In America, we always have something to do after we eat. There's always something to do. It could be Jeopardy. I don't know about you, but Vicky and I are having a lot of fun watching this guy. Matt Amodio just won his 32nd game in a row. He's over a million dollars, breaking records. He's got like 30-some days to go to catch up to Ken Jennings. But, you know, sometimes I look at Vicky and she goes, I know, Jeopardy's coming. Now, I'm not as bad as the Rain Man movie, you know, 10 Minutes to Wapner, but... Jeopardy is very important to me. Just like Boy Scouts was important or important or Oakland Band. And, and so when we eat as Americans, we've always got something to do after we eat. In Europe and in the Middle East, eating is the something to do. Now I'm going to tell a little story on my family. Friday nights when I was a kid, we always went to Howard Johnson's. Anybody know why we went to Howard Johnson's on a Friday night? You're close. It was all you could eat fish. All you could eat fish. And you know what? I can eat fish. And they got to know it's like the Madisons are here. And we would just eat all of that delicious fried fish and french fries. There's a reason I'm the size that I am. 
right? That was an event. We didn't care what happened after the event. We went for the event. Now, before they started bringing out the fish and the french fries, what did they put on the middle of the table? No, no, but somebody said it. They would put out a big plate of bread and butter. Sometimes rolls, sometimes sliced bread. And your mom would point at you, and what would she say? Don't fill up on the bread. But it was good bread. Vicky and I were at a place last night, and it was like right out of the oven, and it was crispy on the outside and warm on the inside, and they had nice olive oil to pour in your plate and dip it in, and like, I hear my mother's voice to this day saying, don't fill up on the bread. Well, in Jesus' time, sometimes the bread was all there was. That's why it was so important when Jesus confronted Satan and said, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. It's what they call a staple. I don't know why they came up with that word, because in my world, a staple is something you put on two pieces of paper to hold together. But when I was in high school, you learned that different countries had different staples. Europeans had bread. Asian cultures have rice. There's some countries where their staple meal, the one that you got every day, was sweet potatoes. The Wycliffe Bible translators tell of being in New Guinea and they couldn't find anything to translate bread into. They changed it into yams. So Jesus says in their translation of the Bible, this is my yam broken for you. Because they had to relate it to something that we eat every day. Here's the problem. In the 21st century, we don't eat the same thing every day. We have Taco Tuesday. No bread and butter there. We have spaghetti on Thursday. That's what I grew up with. Spaghetti was every Thursday. And we had bread sometimes, but not all the time. You might have Korean. You might have Thai. You might have fill in the blank. And we have lost this cultural idea, two ideas actually, that dinner is an event and that you're allowed to fill up on the bread. Well, why did Jesus choose bread and wine? He chose the bread because it was a staple. It was on the table every meal. Why did he choose the wine? Well, if you know anything about the water in the Mideast, you probably shouldn't drink it. Similar to when I was a kid in the water in Mexico, you would drink it and you would get Montezuma's Revenge. It carried parasites and things you didn't want. The wine, however, had an alcohol content that killed all the bugs. So you were guaranteed that if the family was going to have dinner, there were two things on the table. Bread and wine. He chose the two most common things to share with us what we call the Lord's Supper because they were available and everybody had it. Now, the second thing you need to know is that Jesus shared the Passover, or the uh, Lord's Supper on the Feast of Passover. Now, if you go back to the book of Exodus, every family was to kill their own sheep, their lamb, unblemished, and they would take the blood 
Boy, I really use my left hand a lot when I preach. They would take the blood and they would put it on the doorpost. Why? So that the angel of death would pass over their house. They would not receive the judgment that was reserved for Egypt. Well, by the time they got to Jesus' time, which was a thousand years past the actual event, they had rules. There were rules about how to kill the lamb and what to do. And one of the rules was you had to bring your lamb to the temple in Jerusalem. And they would kill literally tens of thousands of lambs. Why? Because the priests knew how to do it the right way. And then the entire city of Jerusalem would become a lamb barbecue because the rules were you had to eat the entire lamb. There were no leftovers. Now, if you had a small family, like Vicky and I are just the two of us, we couldn't eat the whole lamb, so then we would invite Wiki over, because now there's three of us, and, uh, oh, we'll have Helen and Jim. So the, the, the five of us could eat one lamb. There was a prescription for that, but you had to consume the entire lamb, no leftovers. Well, now we have to do it in Jerusalem. Why? So the Pharisees and the Sadducees can make sure that everybody's doing it the right way. And it lost that sense of family. That God not only was the God of the nation of Israel, but he was the God of your family. And I want you to think about this. We are now 2,000 years after the institution of the Lord's Supper. And in some ways, we're doing it almost exactly the way that the priests were doing the Passover in Jerusalem in the first century. Only certain people are allowed to give you communion. And we only have it in a special place on a special day. And we have lost that sense of identity that Jesus was instilling in those first century Christians. That every day when you picked up that bread, remember what he said? Well, as often as you eat or drink this, if you pick up the bread, whenever you pick up the bread, Remember who you are and what it represents, that Jesus died for you. And whenever you pick up that cup, remember that the blood that was slain was for the remission of sins. We've, we've lost, in some ways, our identity. Now, the passage we read today in Corinthians was very clear that some people were handling, or shall we say, mishandling the Lord's Supper. There still needs to be a reverence. There still needs to be a remembrance. Now, I didn't look at our table. Let me see. Yes. I remember when I was a little boy, my family always sat right here on the second row. Mom was in the choir. Dad was in charge of the kids. Dad was very good at being in charge of the kids. He was six-foot retired British military. The kids didn't miss with Dad. In fact, most of the kids wound up sitting there because their moms were in the choir and he didn't mess with Ben Madison, or he wouldn't bring the chicken. Anyway, <laughs> and I remember being in first and second grade and learning that you could sound out a word. Now, use your second, brain, second grade brain and try to sound out this word. Re-me-brance. Re-me-brance. I spent years trying to figure out what that word was. Part of the reason is, 
And in that church, we only had communion once a month and on Holy Thursday. I've worked at churches that had it once a quarter. I know of churches that have it once a year. If you miss it, you're not getting communion for another year. In some ways, we have lost that sense of identity that came from the meal. Now, the last thing I want you to think about is this. When I, well, when I sang in Italy, on nights off, we would go out to dinner. And the first thing the waiter would do is put down the plate with the bread and the oil. And you put a little salt in the oil, or sometimes you go to a place and they've already soaked the oil with uh, herbs. And you dip the bread. And then you order in Italy by course. You got your antipasto. Then you got your insalata. Then you have your pasta. Then you have your meat. Then you have your dessert. It is, for lack of a better word, an event. And in between all of these, you're talking and you're laughing. And you're dipping in the bread. And I mean, it is, it is a, sometimes a two and three hour event. Remember when I asked you the longest meal you'd been to? Imagine a meal that took two to three hours with your friends. And then what do we do at those meals? We remember stuff. We tell stories. There are stories that you get together at Thanksgiving just to hear. It's what gives us identity. So that the disciples and the Christians sat around and they told stories. Do you remember many made 20,000 tuna fish sandwiches out of five loaves and two? Yes, Do you remember when he just talked to the leper and he got healed? Yes. Do you remember when the guys dropped the body through the ceiling? On that, was that the coolest thing ever? Like all of a sudden, all the Sadducees' eyes went like this because this body came floating down from the ceiling. They got together and they remembered who they were, to whom they belonged, and what Jesus did for them. Now, the last thing that Paul said in the scripture we read today was this. You have to do some self-examination before you come to the meal. Jesus provides the meal. Jesus provided the sacrifice. Jesus provides the forgiveness of sins. But there's an expectation that you come prepared to eat the meal. Across the street at the Catholic Church, in the back of the sanctuary, there's several little rooms. And you go in one door and the priest goes in the other. You say, bless me, Father, because I'm perfect. No, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And then you confess your sins and he, he tells you, and I want you to know this, he tells you that you're forgiven in the name of Jesus. The priest does not forgive your sins. And then the idea was, and I thought this was hilarious because all my Catholic friends when I was growing up would run down to the church for confession on Saturday and then try not to sin until Sunday morning. <laughs> right? Have you ever tried not to sin? It's like trying not to think about a pink elephant with blue polka dots. <laughs> It's there. Right? That cute little one in uh, the end of uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on the island missed that foot and it's stuck. Now you can't help it. Well, imagine trying not to sin for 24 hours so you could have communion. But that's the, that's the solemnity that Paul is telling the Corinthians. 
Now I can tell you the tradition about they all brought their own meal and some people brought the big picnic basket with the plates and the knives and all the cool stuff. And some people had a little bag with only one fish in it. And they weren't sharing. Not really important. We hopefully as the body of Christ know that we need to share our bounty with people that don't have it. That's why we do missions. That's why we, we do outreach because we have to share from our bounty. But what does Paul say? Remember to whom you belong. Remember what he did for you. And share the blessings. Why is this so important today? Well, as I mentioned in the children's sermon, today is World Communion Sunday. And the idea is for this one day, we put away our differences. We don't care if you say trespasses or debts or sins during the Lord's Prayer. We don't pray, worry if you stand or sit during the gospel reading. We don't care if you have a wafer or bread or matzah or Peter, pita. I worked at one church, and Vicky will just nod, where the pastor thought tortilla was the closest thing to unleavened bread, and he would give you a strip of tortilla, well, and then you would dip it in the, well, bread soaks up the grape juice. Tortilla just sort of slides off. Now you're, it's dripping all over your hand. It doesn't matter what you have as long as you're having the meal with the body of Christ. It doesn't matter if you sing hymns or praise choruses or a combination. It doesn't matter if your pastor has a collar or a tie or a t-shirt that says Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter. On this day, there is a worldwide long table And at the middle of the table, Jesus has the bread and the wine. And he says, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen.